Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Um, would, you, uh, would you welcome Gary Grant uh, up? Grab a seat. I know, I know there's a story behind there, isn't there, that we'll come to. It's not a giveaway this morning. <laughs> um, thank you so much uh, for joining us this morning. What a pleasure and a privilege. Um, we're going to jump right in. Uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to first of all ask you, I know you mentioned briefly in the video about your upbringing. Um, didn't have much. You have dyslexia. How, how did you overcome that? Because I know... Being a child in, in a school context back then, there wasn't the same understanding. There were, yeah, there was stig- stigma attached. How did you overcome that? So, um, welcome this, um, this morning. It's great to be with you. Um, no, dyslexia wasn't recognised back in the 60s when I first started school. Um, and... F- for most of the time I was up at school, I, I was probably described as a disruptive child, but I didn't understand half the stuff they were doing apart from maths. Um, so I spent quite a lot of my time standing outside class, which was not much fun. Uh, I don't know about your school, but our school had a very long top corridor, and when you stood outside a classroom, if the headmaster happened to come up the stairs, he could see the full length of it. So I was regularly having conversations with him. Um, but school was really tough, but I left school with one O level. Um, But all the time that I was growing up, um, because we had nothing, if I wanted anything, if I wanted to to, um, acquire it, I could do either one or two things. I could either steal it or earn money to buy it. So I decided to earn money to buy it. That was a good place to start. Um, Whether it be my bicycle or my moped when I I was leaving school. Um, So I had many, many jobs working in shops, working my scout mistress's sweet shop, working on the milk floats, um, selling uh, papers, I had morning, uh, morning and evening paper around. Um, so my sort of outside jobs really clashed with school, but um, school was just hard work. And then obviously you, you started the business, uh, the business began to succeed, there was a lot of, a lot of good stuff coming your way. Uh, Kathy was a Christian, you weren't, and then again you've mentioned in the video there was this moment that you found Jesus and your life was changed. Can you, can you describe to us a little bit more about the change that happened? Yes, yeah, so a lot happened um, when I was um, in my early 20s. Um, I actually was work- When I left school at 17, I went to work in the bike shop in Amersham that I'd had as a part-time job. And um, I walked in one January in 1981 um, and my boss fired me, which wasn't that helpful because at the time we, Kath and I were moving from a house near High Wycombe to Amersham. Um, we had a mortgage that was um, based on me having a salary. So I decided that um, we would go out and start a little business. A toy shop came on the market in Amersham. So, um, you know, I think God was even on my side even before I realised that he existed. Um, So I went along and convinced Barclays Bank to give me a loan secured on the house that I hadn't yet bought with the mortgage I was getting with the salary that I now wasn't earning. So it was a little bit of a pack of cards, uh, and the entertainer was born in 1981. So roll forward 10 years, uh, we were opening our uh, our third shop in Slough. And I remember it was um, early April, and I'm sitting on the stairs with the keys the day that I'd got the shop, and... 
and I remember saying to myself, why are you doing this? Why are you sort of creating this world being faster and faster and faster? Um, your mum doesn't know, okay, I missed a bit. Um, my relationship with mum was, was tough and I left home when I was um, 17. She said to, that she, uh, she threw me out, but I left. And um, we have a difference of opinion. Albeit our relationship is much, much better now. Uh, I said, but your mum doesn't really even know you've got one shop, let alone three. What are you trying to prove? And two weeks later um, was this men's breakfast that Kath bought me the, the ticket for that I went along um, and I thought I'd do it just to keep the peace at home. Uh, I'd, I'd often gone to uh, Christmas at Easter and when the kids were christened, but apart from that, I didn't want anything to do with her church. Um, and uh, this guy, after we had a breakfast, this guy jumped up at the front and started talking about the relationship we had with Jesus. Um, and as he talked, I thought, one, there's something about this guy. Um, some of you might remember Barry Kissel, who unfortunately died 18 months ago, but there was just a presence about him that I'd never really experienced in anybody else. And then, as I said in the video, if anything he was saying was true about God knowing me personally, wanting the best for me, could influence the situations we was in, this is, this is something worth finding out about. So that was a Saturday. The next day, Sunday, I made a decision I was going to go and find him. So I shot off to this church in Chorleywood because I knew he was at a church in Chorleywood. I got there um, for, just about for the service, walked in the door. The guy on the door sells children's jewellery. Gave me a load of clobber when I went into church, books and papers and you name it. Uh, I went and found a seat at the back, so I wasn't mixing with any of these people who I didn't know. Um, and um, the, the service was about to start, and now it's completely filled up. Uh, and um, a lady jumped up at the front just before the service started. She said, we've been praying about the service, and we've got three pictures. Um, so you can imagine as a non-Christian in church, and they're talking about pictures, I had absolutely no idea what she was talking about. Um, but three pictures. One was of a, a sailing boat on the high seas. No engine can only go in the direction the wind and, and the tide will take it. The next one was a, a big adjustable monkey wrench and nuts and bolts and springs and something wanted to be released. And the third uh, picture was a whole row of railway arches um, all blacked out and somebody was inside too frightened to come out. And those three pictures mean nothing to me then. They don't mean to me now, but I just burst out crying. The only problem is now that all the seats around me that were empty are all now full. So I've got people in front, people either side. So I couldn't run out if I wanted to. I was stuck. So I, I, I sort of went through this service and I, ex I experienced the most unbelievable peace that I'd never had in my 33 years of being alive. It was just unbelievable. So I left the church that night knowing something significant had changed, but I had no idea what had changed. And then that's the journey that I've been on. And um, a few weeks later, well, lots happened. You know, obviously, I ended up having to tell Kath. And, and, but a, a few weeks later, I we met with a, 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 um, a business um, accountant, a Christian business accountant. And I said to him, I'm really not sure that being in business and being a Christian are compatible. I'm going to have to give this business stuff up. I'll have to go off and be a, min uh, go on, be a, um, be a missionary. Uh, and he, and uh, his passing words were, Gary, maybe the way that you're running your business and being a Christian are not compatible. You need to clear up your act. I mean, that's a very profound thing to hear, right? Because you're successful. It's not like you're running your business and you're not, you're not experienced success. So how did you interpret that? What needed to change if he was right, that the way that you were running your business was not compatible with having a faith in Jesus? Okay, so you can still be successful and be dishonest. <laughs> Um, 
So the first area was, was honesty. I had to look at everything I was doing and ask myself, is this an honest way of running a business? Are you paying the taxes that are due? You know, are, are the little deals you're doing with the reps, are the credit notes that people are giving you to make up your margins, would he be happy to tell his boss he was doing that? So we had to just look at all the different ways in which we were running the business. Um, the second area was around the area of, of, of um, the products that we stock. Um, and, um, and there were certain things which I thought head on, they just clash with what I'm, with now what I believe. Um, and I guess the, 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 the thing that people moan most about the entertainer is that the, the entertainer doesn't stock Harry Potter. Now, we don't stock Harry Potter toys, and I'm not here to tell you not to buy Harry Potter toys or not to give them to your children. That's, that's not the point. A Christian life is about faithfulness. It's the relationship that you have with God and you responding to what you think God is saying to you. Uh, and I felt God was saying to me, Gary, you don't need to be stocking Harry Potter. So we didn't stock Harry Potter and it became the headline news all around the world. This toy retailer in England was not going to stock Harry Potter and he'll lose loads of money. But in the year, that year that Harry Potter toys were launched, it was toy of the year and that business continued to go from strength to strength. And we haven't got time to go through all the different things that I stopped uh, selling and, and things how I was challenged. We dropped out of Halloween products and other things. Um, but a lady came into the store in, um, in October of 1990. I'm not a Christian. And, and, and the gist of the story was, Gary, if you stop selling Halloween products, the Lord will bless your business in other ways. And I laughed at her. I wasn't a Christian. I thought, what are you talking about? I'm going to stop selling things, but, but I'm going to... So, um, the one, the one verse, I say, I can't quote you many verses, but the one verse in the Bible which is really meaningful to me is in Samuel. I think it's 1 Samuel 2.30. It says, those that honour me, I will honour. And the thing is, if you do that with the right motive, because if your objective is to gain, it will fail. If you do that with the right motive, it works. And over and over and over again, God has showed me over the last 30 years... Honour me and I'll cover your back. And it's happened and it's happened and it's happened. And then the last area of how did it change wasn't immediate. Okay. This was uh, about five years later when the government changed uh, the Sunday trading laws and it was lawful to open on a Sunday. And I just heard uh, a, um, a series that J. John was doing called the Ten Commandments series. And, and obviously, other, I think it's the third commandment is keep the Sabbath holy. So I thought, how on earth can I have a business open working on a Sunday if, if I've got to keep a day set apart for something else? So uh, I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll pray about it. So this was, I think, June of 1991. I said, Lord, I need an answer to this because if I pray, I'm expecting an answer. We don't pray for not to get a response. Um, and and um, I, I, didn't get, I didn't get any response in June and July and August. And I, it was about the middle of September. And I remember one night being really angry with God, saying, God, I'm going to stop praying if you don't answer prayer. And I felt the Lord say to me, Gary, but no amount of praying is going to get me to change my mind. So sometimes we might feel that the Lord isn't answering our prayers, but actually we don't want the answer that we know we're going to get. We're looking for a different answer. So since uh, then, well, not since then, because it was unlawful to open since then. So since then, we haven't opened our business on a, on a Sunday. So we don't think it's wrong to trade on a Sunday. I've got a website you can spend your money on. 
what is really right is, is that our staff don't work on a Sunday. So if you think that you can get our customer service on a Sunday, you can't. If you think we're going to pick, pack, and dispatch your web order on a Sunday, we don't. So all of our staff um, have Sunday off. Um, and it's really important to us. I've got four children. I've got nine grandchildren. But Sunday lunch is critical. You can't have Sunday lunch on a Wednesday because you could give them a different day of the week off, but it's not a, a Sunday day. It's not a family day. I mean... That alone is such a powerful statement. I, I don't go to the Bullring Shopping Centre on a Sunday very often, just to be clear. Um, but on the very rare occasion that I have, it is really powerful to walk through the Bullring and the only shop that isn't open on a Sunday is the entertainer. Now, I don't know whether people register that, but, but presumably that has led to some interesting conversations. Yeah. So if you speak to people in the street who know the business and say, the entertainer, can you tell me one or two things about that business? They'll say, it's the shop that doesn't open on a Sunday, it's the shop that doesn't stock Harry Potter, and it's the shop that's got little steps at the counter so the children come up and pay for their own purchases. Those are the three things that people will know our business by. And I wonder how many conversations... Uh, God has opened up for Christians around dinner tables all over the country about this cranky toy retailer who's a Christian who doesn't open his shop on a Sunday. The one thing I, I really wanted to talk to you about was, was influence. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I just want to say today that every single one of you here has an influence, and you have an influence to, to a different degree. So, so here's one example of influencing one little conversation that for us changed the world. So can we put the first slide up? So most of you would have heard of this little range called LOL. And here's, and here's LOL. And these LOL dolls have been really successful around the world now for, for probably eight, eight years. Uh, and my second oldest son, who does our buying, was sitting in New York with the guy who owns this company. They're, they're a billion-and-a-half-pound business. And uh, he said, um, here's my latest range of LOL. Um, and um, you can see the letters at the bottom, LOL, surprise, OMG. So I, I bet if I asked you, what does OMG stand for? And I'm sure you'll all tell me it stands for, oh, my God. And my son said, we're not stocking that because there's no way we're stocking a box that blasphemes. And this, this business owner said, it doesn't mean what you think it means. So Stuart said to him, well, what do you think it means then? He says, I'll tell you tomorrow, which was a strange answer. <laughs> so the next day they met up and guess what OMG had suddenly morphed into? Can we have the second slide? They're now the outrageous millennial girls. <laughs> that statement under Owen, because we said, well, you can say it to us, but if it's not written on the box, we're still not stocking it because everybody will think it means something different. Every single LOL, OMG box around the world now has the outrageous millennial girls on it. So whether you believe what the OMG stands for or not, the influence of one conversation at a very high level, but it doesn't need to be, an influence every conversation that you're having is outstanding. You can change something in a really significant way. Amazing.
I'd love um, to also ask you about giving and generosity because that was another thing that changed. Again, Kathy on the video said, you know, your attitude perhaps before meeting Jesus was, it's my money, I earned it, I'm not giving it to anybody else, which I imagine would be the attitude of the vast majority of people in the UK. And so then you meet Jesus and suddenly your attitudes change towards giving your money away and generosity. What's changed? Well, it didn't change to start with. It only changed because of a challenge from a wife. <laughs> um, now, the thing is about giving, I think to encompass the full um, Christian benefit, the full approach of the Lord in our lives, uh, being generous and giving is a part of that deal. But all of our situations are completely different. And some of you are in challenging situations. It's really, really tough out there. Um, you're struggling to make ends meet. And maybe the time for you giving isn't right now. I don't think the Lord, I think the Lord would rather have you here in church learning about him and being prepared to proclaim that Jesus is Lord than worrying about your income. When your situation changes, or when the Holy Spirit challenges you, then I would suggest it's time to be generous. And generous will be different for each and every one of you as it is for me. So I've been a Christian for six weeks, and Cass said, when are we going to start tithing? And, and I said, what's tithing? And she looked it up and showed me about tithing. I said, oh, we're never going to do that. I said, we earn too much. It's, it doesn't make any sense. But you cannot outgive God. God is unbelievable. He's so creative of the way in which he'll give you back. And he might not necessarily just give you money back. He'll bless you in so many other ways. And some of the ways in which we've given money and supported things over the years, I've been in the audience when somebody has said, something has happened, God did this, but they don't know that it was me. So sometimes doing things that not everybody knows what you've done is actually far more exciting. Um, and, the, and the charity that we, we started 20-odd um, years ago, that you saw the picture of the, of, of the stream and all the children... We've absolutely blessed our local community. And, and on Radio 4 this morning, when I was driving up, there was a service on, and they were talking about churches blessing their community. Because we can have a really good huddle in here and all go out and completely ignore the community. We've got to be active in our community. Acts of kindness doesn't necessarily mean money. Uh, and I was asked to speak... Uh, we, uh, I was in Jersey, and, and the, like a... The, the town centre minister guy asked him, would you speak at, the, um, at their equivalent to the, um, their parliament? They're having a prayer breakfast. And, and without thinking about it, I said yes. And after I said yes, I thought, well, what, what on earth are you going to tell them? And this is where the Holy Spirit is really, really helpful for each one of us, as we heard. When, you know, when, when's God going to prompt us into a situation and then what we're going to do when, we, when we're in it? And God said to me, well, just talk to him about Rick. I was at the time looking at the boats in the harbour, and I said, oh, Lord, what, what about Rick? What is it? He said, well, it's really important, Gary. Tell him about reputation. And when you've done with reputation, tell them about integrity. They are leading this island. And when you finish telling them about integrity, tell them about generosity. And for each one of us as Christians, if we can remember RIG, reputation, integrity, and generosity, they're, they're all part of being generous but generosity comes in many ways. So sometimes we have got the ability to give financially. 
Life doesn't operate. Charities are really struggling at the moment. Churches are really struggling to make ends meet at a time when all of the services, the expectations of churches and charities are really under pressure because the demands are high. Food banks have never experienced the demand that they have. So even if you put the cheapest thing you can buy in a food bank, please, please, please be generous when you're shopping. But generosity could be that. But generosity could be your time. Each one of you has a skill and talent. How do you pass on the skills and talents that you have to the next generation? How can you inspire a young person to go out and take a risk? How can you be there for them, encourage them, help them with a spreadsheet, whatever it might happen to be? Um, and then the third way of generosity is using what you have to enable something to happen. And just one quick example, sorry. Um, when, when during lockdown... In fact, I, I was meeting with the lady, uh, uh, the CEO of the Trestle Trust, the food bank. I met her for coffee in uh, January of 2020. And my passing comment was, if I can ever help you, give me a ring. And you know what that normally means is, I probably won't hear from you again. April 2020, she rings me and says, Gary, we're in a real pickle. That's when we were all in lockdown and there were serious issues of, of shortages of food. And also, many people who were on zero-hour contracts and other people, they had no income, and the demand for meals were off the clock. And what happened was a large supermarket had agreed to um, donate uh, um, 240 artics of food. I think, I think it was government-provoked. I think they, there was a little bit behind it, maybe even government money behind it, but 240 artics of food. The food bank doesn't have... A distribution hub doesn't have lorries. It operates out of churches like this where people take their donated goods and they're boxed up nicely. How on earth are we going to get 240 um, artics of food into these food banks up and down the country? And the food that was delivered was volume of one large pallet of this and one large pallet of that. And food banks wanted one bit of everything to get a selection. So we were able to open up our warehouse in Banbury that was closed because our shops were closed. We were able to take in um, six Arctics a day, 30 a week over eight weeks. Um, and, and in eight weeks, um, with, with support from the Sainsbury Foundation financed the labour, we had the lorries, somebody else gave us the food. So as a real partnership, uh, we handled nine million meals. But the thing that made me almost cry, in fact, it, it does... So I'll try and get through it. My warehouse manager at the time, who was not a Christian, he rang me one morning and said, Gary, the food's in. We have got to get a lorry into Coventry today because what we deliver this afternoon they're eating tonight, it's critical. And the thing is, we can make a difference, guys. We really can. We've just got to make ourselves available to whatever generosity looks like with your finances, with your time, and with, and, and with the facilities you might have. I remember... It was the same time that, that we knew as a church in lockdown that we had to respond to the, the food insecurity that was very, very tangible for a lot of people in our local community. And one of the first people I called was you, if you remember, say, Gary, help us. We know we've got to start up this food bank. We need your help. And you were so helpful in getting, getting that started for us. Uh, and just to say, as Gary said, 
a very practical thing. We have a Love Your Neighbor food bank donation station out in the cafe. If you've not noticed it before or if you've never given to it before, it's there. Uh, and so as Gary said, just a, a bag of pasta or whatever is needed, have a look at the station. We can all help in practical ways. Last question I want to ask is about... It's really about being a light in the business community. Uh, and you, you said yourself that I think we think sometimes about a life in ministry as meaning that we've got to give up our day job and get a job in church. Um, not that there's anything wrong with a job in church, just to be clear. Some, some of us are called to do that, but not that many of us. And so what does it mean to you that your ministry is the business world, that you are called to be a light in the business world. First of all, what does that mean to you? And how would you encourage people? In fact, we're going to pray for people in the business world in just a moment. How would you encourage anyone sitting in this room? You know, they're, they're in business or maybe they're running their own business. Uh, and they just hearing you, they feel inspired to apply those values and to, to live like that is their ministry that God's called them to. What, what would you say? Okay, so... I am here talking to you today, and I've told you lots of positive things, but, but I fail every day of the week. So I'm not here on this stool telling you about this perfect Christian. I'm just like you, doing my best. Uh, and each of us has a sphere of influence. So uh, what I would like to pray for you all before, uh, before you were going to pray for whatever it was, I'd actually like to pray for every one of you to have boldness. But I want to pray that you would have Holy Spirit-inspired yeah. boldness. Because you can have boldness to go out and say completely the wrong thing to the wrong person at the wrong time. <laughs> that isn't what I'm talking about. So if I just reflect on this week, and it has been an exceptional week. On, uh, I've, I've prayed for three people this week who, you know when you say to them, somebody, can I pray for you? And they say yes, and they carry on talking. So they obviously mean that you're going to pray for them maybe tonight when you kneel by your bed or something. And, and the number of times I have to... And, uh, sorry. And only on one occasion is when I've said to somebody, can I pray for you? They've actually said no. So the chances of you being rejected when you ask to pray for somebody is very, very slim. Yeah. So the first person I prayed for was somebody I've known for 10 years, lives in Holland, big toy fair this week in, in uh, Germany. He wasn't there. His wife has been really deteriorating now for the last three years, is now being tube-fed. And when I heard this, I thought, I must ring this guy. And I tried a couple of times, and then he rang me back. And I just had the opportunity to pray for him. Wow. And linking up, I know you do some great, um, um, not called CDs now, what do you call them, tracks here. But there's one, there's one track on the Peace album, which is from Bethel Church, uh, and it's called The Blessing. Mm. I said, could you just download that and play that over your wife, please? And this guy isn't a Christian. No? No, no I amazing. Don't, don't need to be Christians, no. In fact, it's better if they're not. Let me go for it. <laughs> if Kath was here, she'd say, the one thing about Gary is he's got a gene missing. And you say, well, what is it? He doesn't care what people think. Just wade in. Um, and then the second person I prayed for was a long-term employee whose father died. I went to see him on um, Tuesday, Wednesday night with his mother and, and had the opportunity to pray for them. Um, and I go and get my hair cut. Just to come here today, obviously, on it, it Thursday. It looks great. It looks it, great. Yeah. And, um, and my barber, who I've known for four or five years, his father died. So I had the opportunity to pray for him. Um, so there are opportunities. But, but as I think you tried to say, 
Lord, which are these opportunities? And sometimes you can't put your finger on what it is. There's just something in your gut that you know, you know, you know, you know. But I'll tell you what, it'll hurt even more if you walk away without doing it. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'll give you one example of that, and then I'd, I'd like to pray for you. Um, I was, I, I, this was probably about 1992-3. Um, I've just been a Christian a couple of years. I'm at the big London Toy Fair at dinner. There's probably about 500 people there. And somebody said to me, Gary, would you say grace? And I said, no. And wow, did it hurt. And I didn't say grace, but I vowed I would never say no again if God gave me an opportunity to speak out. So there's two things I'd like to pray for you for. Are we finished? Yeah, let's right, we're done. Yeah. Right, there's two we're going to pray, yeah. We're done, we're done. Right, there's two things I'd like to pray for you for. One, there might be people here who, like me, thought, but God won't do that for me. I'm not good enough. I've got one O-level in mass. I'm the most unlikely person to lead a business of this size. And why did God nab me? Why did I deserve unconditional love? I've probably spoken so badly against him. I remember when Cap was a Christian, he kept saying, Gary, stop blaspheming. Why? It doesn't really matter. Well, it does really matter how we speak. Um, and it really hurts. So if you think, I can't experience the unconditional love, the love that God gives us just because he knows us by name and loves us that much, you can. I have. And the other thing I'd like to pray for is boldness for each and every one of you that during the course of this week, this month, and this year, God will give you Holy Spirit-inspired conversations. And when you know you know God's prompting you, you'll have the boldness and the right words. A prayer doesn't have to be complicated. It really, really doesn't. It just needs to be kind. God will use that prayer. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for gastric works. The last time I was here was your opening night. And I've heard great things as to how this church has impacted this local community over the years. And for each one of us, whatever our position uh, in business, in family, in our local community, I first of all ask, Lord, that every one of us here will understand that your love for us is completely unconditional. We can't earn it. We can't get any more of it. It is equal regardless of our position in society and in life. It's free for each one of us. And then, Lord, I pray that you will give us Holy Spirit-inspired boldness to speak out beyond our comfort zone into people's lives, that moment of opportunity that you give us, in order that for that person, we might be the only person that ever mentions the word Jesus in a non-blaspheming way to them. And I ask, Lord, those conversations are fruitful and blessed and that we will walk away knowing that we've done your work. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah, let's just thank Gary for a moment. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.